And now, broadcasting from atop a secret location somewhere on Fort Myers Beach, Florida, it's How About That with Brian Howe. And now, your host, Brian Howe. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Number one in the long history of what will become a regular podcast, of course. I am new to the podcast business. I haven't got a clue what I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to rely on you people calling in and giving me subjects. A perfect opportunity to let you know who I actually am. Because I know some people are probably tuned in and thinking, who the hell is this guy? Well, here's who I am. I was born in a beautiful town, was a beautiful town, called Portsmouth, England. Um, I was born as a very small child. And I grew bigger with the aid of food and water. And I became an obnoxious teenager. <laughs> <laughs> and I, <laughs> I did not take... How's that possible? Oh, it's, it's still... I'm still obnoxious, <laughs> trust me. Um, and I really... I learned from a very young age, I think, that what you're told isn't necessarily the truth. You know? Like, my mother used to tell me, you mustn't swallow grape seeds or apple seeds because you will it will grow in your stomach you'll have an apple tree growing in your stomach this is this is parenting mm-hmm. back in the day and i used to worry about that and i used to worry about sometimes mistakenly swallowing chewing gum and i was told that it would clog up my entire inner working where does chewing gum go i guess it goes where everything else goes it- well, I, I'm hoping it does because otherwise I've got a load of it somewhere. Yeah, there's like some double bubble from the 80s still somewhere in my Double throat. bubble. Oh, my God. The best chewing gum it in really, the history of chewing it gum. It really was. And uh, so anyway, I, 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 I wanted to be a singer from, from the age of uh, three, really. In fact, my first public appearance was at, at the age of three when I was... Uh, taken to the radical club in in, in, in in Portsmouth my hometown and uh, the radical club was a working man's club and my father used to sing there a lot my, my dad was a an incredible singer he was a, a wonderful wonderful singer and um, I would go there and, and and I remember vividly I, I would I would be given uh, a bag of chips which we call crisps but you call um, Potato chips. Potato chips. Yeah, yeah. We we in, in England we called them crisps, and they were made by a company called Smiths. And we would have to <laughs> open up the packet, and in the bag of chips, crisps, was a bag of salt, a little blue bag of salt. And it doesn't happen anymore because now they're all pre-salted. But you could either have with salt or, or or without salt. But of course, as a kid, you tear open the blue envelope and you just sprinkle the. It was it was fantastic, and I used to sit on the side of the stage eating my chips, crisps, and uh, watch my dad perform. He would enter talent contests and uh, and do that, and I and and I was quite awe inspired by watching my dad and all these people would start clapping and cheering and. And I thought that's not bad, is it? You know, that's 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 pretty pretty cool. No one takes any notice of my dad when he's not on the stage, but when he gets up there, suddenly he's the object of uh, adulation, if you like. And that that went deep with me, and I knew that um, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. 
and, and in fact, the very first song that I ever sung on stage was a was a rendition of My Old Man's a Dustman. My old man's a dustman, he wears a dustman sack, he wears cool blimey trousers, oh, what do you think of that? It was rubbish, it's absolute rubbish. But that was my first song, and that's what got me juiced up. And I used to then start to enter talent contests, and by some jiggery-pokery, I, I used to win a lot of the contests that I went in for, and so that was when I decided that I would probably move into music and 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 do do it for a living and uh so your parents were were very encouraging of no you? they weren't no 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 really no far from it in fact my mother was very against it she said i needed an education and i said mom we live in england there is no education in england <laughs> 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 you know and it's like i think the education system worldwide has gone downhill in the last 40, 45, 50 years. I think it's, I think it's shocking what they're doing to the population. I think they're being dumbed down. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking Republican against, um, you know, whatever, Democrats. And everybody has been dumbed down. And only people that don't listen to, uh, shall we say, a consistency of what's on the right and what's on the left. Only those that can listen to both sides and can then ascertain what's right or wrong can consider themselves to be somewhat educated because particularly since Trump has become, now we're moving into dangerous territory. The Trumpster. The Trumpster, who I actually am quite a fan of. I'll be honest with you. I I know that many people um, say that he's all that's wrong with America, but I think he, he, he uh, encapsulates what's what's right about America. I think to have someone like him come on board and, and 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 rock the boat, and that's basically what he's doing. He's rocking the boat and waking people up and making them think differently. And and uh, and, and I can't vote. I, I don't have a dog in the fight. But uh, from what I've seen of previous presidents who were, uh, I would say, evidently in the business only for themselves uh, and for and for for monetary gain and whatever and nobody can 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 bribe Donald Trump nobody and I think that's what they find particularly galling is that he's not going to take a backhand or he's not going to take um, a, a wad of cash because quite frankly he doesn't ever need it and uh, but anyway I'm, I, I digress but um, well, that's a that's a topic of a show right there. It really is. From and Donald uh, Trump, Donald, I, I think he's done a few things wrong. I mean, of it, evidently, he's not presidentesque. He's not someone that you would take to uh, your daughter's reunion party or something. Yeah, you, would, <laughs> you wouldn't trust your twenty-year-old daughter with, uh, with well, the probably not. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, does that make him a bad guy? You know, the thing is, I think everybody has to decide uh, mm. the personal stuff. You know, what is his job? What is his role as president? Is he there to do stuff? Is he there as a figurehead? Is he there rep to represent the American people? And I think that's where some people get really uncomfortable is that, you know, he says things that, that sometimes can be a little shocking. Well, I think that's a, I think that's good, though. I do. And I think that the, the system in America is is somewhat wrong. I know that the Americans think that this checks and balances thing is a great thing. But for me, it's frustrating because 
I, I believe that if, you, if the country has voted a man in or a woman in to become the leader of their, of their free country, they should be left alone to move on and do what they said they were going to do in their policy. And the trouble with America is, is that they don't allow anybody to do that. If it's a Republican president, the Democrats will kick up and fight against what he wants to do. And if it's a Democratic, you know, vice versa, nobody can get things done. And by the time they get the chance to get things done, they're out of office again. I think that's wrong. I think if the country is, is, is strong enough to vote for somebody in, that person should be left alone to follow his policies and can perform his policies as he promised to do or she promised to do and that's how the country should be run it should be and if you don't like it guess what you vote them out after four years and i think that's what's wrong with america we're in a quagmire now of of uh, the, the 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 democrats blocking everything that the president wants to do everything and for what reason i mean should there be a wall between us and Mexico? Probably. Probably. Um, should it have been done years ago? Probably. The Clintons said they'd do it. They didn't do it. Obama said he'd do it. He didn't do it. It's been going on for, for decades. Now, Trump comes in and says, I want to do it, and I'm going to do it. And suddenly, everyone's against him. Yeah, the, and then not only that, the very people that voted for the law years ago are now saying now saying no wall, and they voted for it themselves. Ab- absolutely, and it's only because he's not in their party. But there we are. I mean, I've got to put up with John here, who's now <laughs> on his fourth bottle of beer, and well, those are the ones I've had since I got here. Um, right. You know, there was some yeah. pre-gaming going on before that. Right. Right. And I, I'm on my second glass of wine so i mean and 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 my doctor has advised me that i need to cut back on my drinking because i don't know if if you realize but about 18 months ago i had a a rather serious heart attack and uh that was fun that was marvelous so where where how did that go down where were you when that happened i was actually in my car and uh oh that's scary yeah it was scary and i was luckily i must have come to stop at a stop sign and because it's a manual, I must have put it in neutral, had the heart attack. And uh, although I, I, I remember nothing about the heart attack whatsoever. Nothing, so you, went, you, became, you were unconscious? Oh, I was more than unconscious. I was, I was dead. No kidding. Oh, yeah. I was in total cardiac arrest. And I've got several people to thank. And this will be another show as yeah, well. Really. Um, how marvelous the, the first attenders are and, and people on this beach. Um, I live on Fort Myers Beach, uh, Florida. And we've got some wonderful nursing staff and, and, and doctors and assistants. And they're, they're absolutely amazing. And uh, without their help, uh, I would no longer be able to talk into a microphone. So... Um, and I've got a doctor or two, Scott Vosler, up in, in in Ohio, who also was very beneficial in helping me to recover from it. And um, I've, I've got a great friend, John Jones and Stephanie Jones, who also helped me. And of course, my girlfriend Amy was instrumental in in uh, making sure I stuck to a healthier diet and and and, and got me uh, 
the will back to to fight back from it. But it was it was pretty serious for a while, and uh, I was in a in a coma for like four or five days. No kidding! I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, they were going to pull the plug on me on the Friday, and I luckily um, managed wow. to show signs of some sort of life on Thursday afternoon. What mm-hmm. a story! Mm. And that's why I drink. Wine's supposed to be good for you, right? It absolutely is. And I've had enough now to become a superhuman. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So anyway, um, that was my life story, pretty much. Oh, you were a teenager when we left you. You The question was... uh, Correct. So so how did you get into rock music? Well, there's an interesting story because I am not the biggest fan of rock music, per se. I don't like heavy metal. I don't like, I like ACDC, that sort of, that driving rock that is just inherent in in all human heartbeats. And I think that I was lucky because I I was in a band in Portsmouth, a band called Shy, and uh, I co-wrote a song or a couple of songs with those guys, and one of the songs became a hit. Well, when I say hit, I say that with brackets enclosed because we later found out that it had been what they call hyped into the charts. So by virtue of that, I knew that we were over. So I moved to London and joined another band who were awful, horrible. We were awful. But I kept sending demo tapes into Atlantic Records, who is still the best record label in the history of music. And... Uh, I used to get rejection letters come back every week. Yeah, we like it, but it's not a hit. And let us know when you've got a single. And it's like, so I keep sending and I keep sending and I keep sending. But one day, um, the guy that was receiving my my demos from the, from this band, he heard the song playing and said, hey, who's that? And uh, they told him and he said, well, I don't like the band. The band is horrible, but who's the singer? And they told him, and the and the guy called me, and it was the manager of it was actually the record producer of Ted Nugent, and uh, <laughs> he calls me up, and I, I'm in Portsmouth, England, you know, and he's calling me and saying, "How would you like to become the singer for Ted Nugent?" And I said, "Who?" He said, "Ted Nugent." Really? Because, well, in England, Ted wasn't that well known. I mean, right. he, 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 I think he'd had one song prior to my ever hearing about him uh, with, with Cat, Cat Scratch Cat Fever, Fever right? yeah which you know is a classic staple of of rock music but then I I had to be convinced oh hello we have a call coming in look at this we do have a call we do let's take the call let's see how it goes hi there you're on the air hello hello there how are you doing hello Brian yes man who is this this is uh, my name's Roger Roger my carry on I've seen you I think four times in the last month or so Roger wow. Are you a psychiatrist? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we saw you first in Clearwater, Florida. Then we saw you on the Monsters of Rock Cruise, and then we saw you in Daytona Beach, Ormond Beach. Roger, 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 you're always in the front row, Roger. Yes, yes, my wife and I both, because we both with like your music. beautiful wife. Yes, indeed. I, I know, I know exactly. Oh, I know who you are, man. You're a lucky man. You're a very lucky man. Okay. Well, I'm not listening to the podcast, but my wife is. 
and uh, she encouraged me to call in. I wanted to call in, and yeah. uh, I understand you're a Trump fan, so we need to get you uh, encourage you to get registered to vote. Well, unfortunately, I, I, I'm not allowed to vote because I'm not an American citizen. In fact, this is a story that this is gospel truth in in Florida. We had, and still have actually, a new sheriff in town who is absolutely brilliant. But we had a sheriff here called Mike Scott, who did the most incredible job in, in, in my area, in Lee County. He was amazing. And he actually made my house American law free. I live in a little compound on Fort Myers Beach, and... I live under English law here. I do not live under American law. And that was allowed by Mr. Mike Scott, who I don't know how we did it, but we got it done. So this house actually is a is a, a secret compound. And I don't have to adhere to any American laws at all. Um, so it, it's quite interesting. It, it's it's uh, something that he took great pleasure in doing for me too. Well, so therefore, very interesting. Then it's, it's basically amazing. immune to all U.S. law. I'm immune to, to U.S. law. I will not and do not have to comply with U.S. law. I can drive as fast as I like, and there's nothing <laughs> the police and authorities can do about it. There's nothing at all because I live under German law, which means there is no speed limit. Everything's the autobahn. Everything. Like, I can be um, at my... Publix supermarket, which is three miles away from me, I can be there in fifteen seconds, <laughs> <laughs> and I will not comply. I will not comply with American law. Wow, it sounds like you've got the law on your side on this one, anyway. I do, I do, and and the marvelous thing is, is that Mike Scott is now retired, and the new sheriff has come in and has also sanctioned the same thing for me. But the most amazing thing the new sheriff has done is, is now stated in Lee County that any animal abuse at all will be punished in a way that they have never been punished before. And I think that is the most uplifting and, for me, spiritually gratifying thing that a sheriff has done in a long, long time. If you're in Lee County and you want to hurt or abuse an animal, you are going to be in some serious shit and i think well, my wife and i are with you on that one yeah but we have, uh, I, 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 five cats, so. you have how many cats five five cats yeah five cats five cats i do love they get them. along it's very interesting when i yes they do and uh, it's very interesting when i met my wife she had three cats and she wanted another cat i didn't want another cat mm -hmm. so we compromised and got two more cats wow <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good deal right there. Yeah, yeah. So how, how how long have you been married? Uh, just a little over two years, actually. Two years, that's cool, that's cool. So let me ask you, and I don't know your, 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 your wife's bra size at all, obviously, um, but do you like small-breasted women or medium or large or, 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 or whatever? I, I tend to lean towards the larger area. You do? Yeah. Good for you, good for you. You're the only person, the only male that has actually owned up to that. So I give you a big round of applause. Yes. Well done, sir. Well done. Marvelous. Thank and you, thank, thank you, you so much for coming to my shows because without without you, there is no show. And, and I'm very aware of that. And uh, it was great to see you on the cruise, even though 
I don't know how you were after the cruise, but we were certainly, as a band, very sick. Not just mentally. I'm, I'm talking physically too I mean, we were really not very well did did you catch the flu on the on the cruise like brian did i did uh no he didn't did, did, did you catch didn't? the flu yes yes i well actually i wasn't feeling well going on the cruise and then it stayed with me whatever i had after the cruise so, oh, so brian he gave you the flu he could have given me the, the, i think it was the, him yeah, yeah I've, I've been blamed for that they're gonna quarantine me next time <laughs> yeah they were gonna do that with my guitar player paul warren who who is simply one of the I don't know what you thought of Paul. I mean, obviously he's a little retarded. But um, did you think he was any good on guitar, my guitar player? Well, I was amazed to hear you admit that he'd only been playing for two years now. It's two years, yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, a very late developer, and uh, you know <laughs> he's got arthritic fingers too, which makes it even more amazing to me that. Um, but if you learn with arth arthritic fingers, maybe you can make it work for you. you well, know? you can if you weren't as retarded as he is. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, because okay. he is slightly retarded too. <laughs> okay. So, um, but hopefully he'll. Um, I think I think I'm going to keep him. I think I'm going to keep him because he's he brings it. You know, he he does his best. Bless him. But thank you for calling yeah, in. I really sorry do appreciate it. Sorry to hear that so many uh, band members were sick, but I remember you saying if they don't play, they don't get paid. So I'm glad they were able to stick it out and get through the set. Well, they were lucky. They were lucky. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the drummer, whew, I cut his pay back a little bit. Um, and the bass player, Miguel, I halved his pay. Not, <laughs> not for any particular reason, just because he annoyed me. And, um, but you know, it was great to see you, uh, and I really appreciate you coming. So you've seen me four times in the last month. That's 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 pretty amazing. Thank you very much for that, I, and I really do appreciate. That's a fan. It. That's a true that's fan. That's a real fan. That's and a true I tell you what, fan. he and his wife were in the front well, row see you again. every show. They're at the front row at every show. Yep. yep. So how does that work? How do you swing front row seats for every show? You just have to well, get there. Very experienced concert goers, and we know ah, how the system works. And you know the tricks. <laughs> okay, I he's got you. an attractive wife. See, there you go. That's back to that. <laughs> Do you think you get better seats at Brian's shows because your wife is attractive? That's my that's my hypothesis. That's part of the strategy. That's mm -hmm. see, I told you, Brian. It's uh, yeah, the, the, those hot women. It's a marvelous thing, isn't it? It's it's marvelous. But thank you for calling in, buddy. I really do appreciate it. Where did you meet your your girlfriend? How did you meet your girlfriend? Oh, he's uh, maybe that was oh, a bad gosh. question. No, we it, can move on. It, no, it's 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 a lovely it's a lovely story. I I suppose I, I actually met her at a show in Atlanta. She was backstage, I think, to meet Ted Nugent because I was on tour with the Damn Yankees uh, on the nineteen ninety. I was Holy that's this tour Damn that Yankees. I saw. Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how she got backstage. I, I don't know what the deal was. Maybe she was working and knew somebody there. I, I don't know. But, man, I walked into the dressing room area, and there was a, an area where the, the, the meet and greet was and, and whatever, and she was there, and it was like, holy shit. And I, I knew right then. I, I knew right then that that was that was it for me, and I was foolish enough to let her go for over ten years, and then we reunited, and we're working on it. Well, know? I've been married thirty years; I'm still working on it. Well, if you killed her in the first year, you'd be getting out now. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
think what we're going to do now is play a song and we are going to go and do a song that you probably have heard me play live on stage several times in the last month. Okay, thanks, Brian. It's great to you, talk to you. You got it, buddy. Take thanks care. for calling in, man. I appreciate it. Are you ready? And it's all about you And there's a chance to be taken And I don't know what to do Ever since I met you You've been playing on my mind I'm like a poet with a good view Yeah, but nothing seems to rhyme Ever since I met you There's nothing I can do So where are we going to head now? Let's head to a different topic, shall we? Let's go somewhere. Let's talk about things that are really spooky. Let's talk about things that affected me. And I, I think that one of the things that I find particularly interesting is that people often say to me, if you pray, there's you can pray for a miracle and miracles do happen. So I'm thinking to myself, well, well, I'll, I'll tell you what happened with me after I just finish what I'm saying, but I'm not sure about miracles. I don't know if miracles really do happen. I don't know if it's just coincidence or whether it's just wishful thinking or whatever it is. But I will tell you a story 
as to what happened to me. This is the absolute truth. And I am not a believer in life after death. I am not a believer in that. And I, and, and I, and I kind of still maintain that, even though what happened to me was really, really quite, quite weird. And I'm willing to accept the fact that maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, I was found, as I told you earlier, dead in my car. And a young lady called Ruby Church and her fiancé, who was, they are now happily married, they saw me um, in the car, slumped over the front wheel and slumped over the driving wheel. And uh, they drove by me, obviously thinking, um, this guy's drunk, <laughs> which, which normally <laughs> on a good day, I probably am. But um, they drove off and then she said to her fiancé or her now husband said, um, you know, would you mind terribly if we turn around and go back and check on that guy? Because he really didn't look that good. And so they did. They actually turned the car around and went back and came back and tapped on the window and saw that I was non-responsive. And uh, they then ran to a doctor's office, which was 50 feet from where the car was. And thank goodness, because they came out, and uh, I'll give you the names on, on another show, because I don't want to drop people in it without asking them if I can name their names. But um, they came out, and they, by that time, Ruth, uh, Ruby, I should say, Ruby, had flagged down a car. And the car contained two retired paramedics, which was completely freaky, and they immediately got to the car, broke the window, dragged me out of the car, and started CPR, chest compressions and, and, and the rest of it. Although the people from the medical center had started that prior, they also, uh, sorry, they, they started the, the compression and, and then the medical staff came out and took over and, and, and whatever. And they got no response from me. I was definitely in, in total, utter cardiac arrest. Now, eventually they did managed to get some life back into me. And when I woke up, they'd put me in a an induced coma for like three or three days. And I I don't remember any of it, obviously, because I was completely under. And uh, they put two stents in my heart. And they uh, then induced me into, in, into this long-term coma, three or four-day coma. And when I came out the coma, apparently, I do not remember this, but there was a, a a doctor there called Brian. And apparently when I did come to, I asked him where the two people were that were with me when I died. And he said, I, I don't know who you're talking about. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted me to go with them. I was going to go somewhere with them. And they they wanted me to leave. And I was going to go with them. But then they said, oh, no, 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 no. You can't come. You have to go back now. You have to go back. And these people were dressed I think in, 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 from what I was told from Brian, dressed in black. And I was then, I, I, I suppose, resuscitated. So the whole thing is, is really quite odd. And even though I don't really, um, believe in life after death, something happened and I don't know what it is. And I, I'm, I'm fortunate to be alive. I think mainly through, you know, medicine and doctors and, and, and first responders. But something definitely is is odd with that whole scenario. So is there life after death? I don't know. I don't know. 
but certainly something untoward happened. Although, because of the trauma of going through a heart attack, I think your body shuts down, and I think it it stops you remembering a lot of stuff that that would would now be beneficial to me because I don't remember anything about it at all. I don't I don't remember that happening either. You know the the, the people now, but when I spoke to the doctor who was there in intensive care. He said I was crying, I was adamant, and that and I... you don't remember any of that? I don't remember any of it, no. I don't remember anything about... I thought I was only in a hospital for a couple of days because I just don't remember anything at all. Well, that was really a miracle. I know mean, whether you believe... I mean, to me, the fact that people noticed you in the car... Yeah. The fact that there were medical personnel right there... Yeah, it's that's, weird. That's... I don't think it was your time to go, Brian. Lots of people have said that, but um, was it a miracle or was it just luck, coincidence? Like I once had a, a conversation with somebody on Facebook about the same subject prior to my heart attack, of course. But I said, could you give me an example, please? If you, if you, if you believe in miracles, give me an example of a miracle. And this woman wrote back and said, yes, I can, I can give you a perfect example. I was driving on a, on a, on a, on a, on a mountainous road in North Carolina. It was snowy. And I lost control of the car, and we started to slide off the road. And there was only one tree on the entire hillside before it reached the cliff. And my car happened to come up and rest against it and stopped me going over the cliff, right? But now, I'm suggesting that that wasn't a miracle. That was just pure, utter luck. What would have made it a miracle was if the tree wasn't there prior to the car coming off the road and suddenly the tree appeared and stopped the car that that would have been a miracle but the the fact that the car actually happened to hit the only tree on the hillside to prevent the car the the, the the car going over the mountain was luck thoughts yeah i do believe that you know it's it's funny i was raised i was raised a lutheran you know, catholic light and i I've never really believed the specifics of a particular religion, but I've always believed that there's a God. And I've always believed that God or one of his um, uh, workers do things, intercede in some things. And I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't, I'm not smart enough to know any of those answers, but it sure seems to me that for you to be in that situation, and to have those folks, that's more than that's more than luck. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems to me know. like there's some greater. You know, you have more things to do, and it's not it's not your moment. Yeah, people have said that. People have said that. And was I lucky? Absolutely, I'm totally lucky. But um, when I was a young young child, I used to be in the choir, at, as I said before, you know, at, at the St Mary's Church in Portsmouth, and uh, I was trying to be a Christian, trying to be a good child of God, if you, if you like. But then I, you know, it didn't take me long to realize that I was only um, believing in the Christianity because of where I was born. If I was born in in uh, India, I would believe in another god or a different god. Or if I was born anywhere in the world, I would be born thinking or or or, or, or believing in the god of that of that area. And I think religion is very geographic. It's incredibly geographic. I mean, wherever you're born is what you believe in. And whichever God is prevalent in, in, in any area that you're born, you tend to believe in that God. It's mainly instilled in you by your parents. I've always felt like, though, it's all the same God. 
He just chose to reveal himself in culturally appropriate ways. Uh, you know, it would be nice. It would be nice to think that. I, I agree. But uh, that now we've got the problem with um, the Muslims, you know, which, and I have, I do not have a problem with Muslims because I've got a lot of friends who are Muslims. And, 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 and in particular, I've got some in, in my hometown, Portsmouth, who are marvelous people. They run the most incredible Indian restaurant. Um, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful people. And I do not have a problem with them at all. There's extremists, of course, and there are, there are just as many extremist Christians. I mean, there are some lunatics that claim to be Christians and 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 are not very Christian-like at all. And uh, so, anyway, I, I don't know. Maybe this topic is just too hot for for, for people. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I don't know. I, I could talk about this for hours, but you don't want me to because it's going to well, get deep. Well, you know, you stop and you were talking about having this talent as a young. You you had the singing ability as a young child. Right. Well, there are people that would disagree that I ever had a talent. I mean, you'd be amazed. I mean, I took over in a, in a group called Bad Company from a singer who was recognized as being the the world's greatest rock singer, and uh, um, I, I I suppose I I took a risk. I took a risk in in, in in taking the job. I was offered the job, and any other singer in the world would have t- would have taken the job, and yet people were slagging me off for 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 trying to emulate the prior singer, you know, which is which is really quite sad because if you're offered a job and you and you and you sing for a living and you there aren't that many jobs, you know. So to get offered a job like that is 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 quite flattering and so I I kind of uh jumped at it really and I, I was priorly, prior to that I was with Ted Nugent so to move on to bad company was was quite a a move for me, you know. But I don't know. It's a whole different. It's a whole different concept of. Well, I, my thing was, you know, it's just back to the whole miracle thing, or the thing, the, the idea that things are kind of ordained. That here you are, a small town uh, mm. in England, and you have this talent, and you go through the process of developing this talent. You you end up uh, with Ted Nugent, and then with Bad Company, have hit songs, travel around the world. Uh, I saw you uh, in 1990 myself with that version of Bad Company, and I I went to see that version of Bad Company. It was mm-hmm. it was not the same as the I see. I didn't I didn't think you were doing an imitation. I thought it was something wholly your own. I thought it was fantastic, and I think it all stands. I mean, why do we have to be haters? It's all great stuff. All of it's great. Well, stuff. I thought so. I, mean, I I thought it would have been very detrimental. It's very detrimental when when you're compared with somebody else. And I think that uh, the fact that I didn't try and copy what Paul Rogers did, unlike many replacement singers, they try to copy the yeah. singer that they're replacing. And it's like there's there's no way I, I I would want to do that. I could have copied his voice and copied his style and copied, you know. But having said that, there are many singers that I think are, are, are fantastic singers, and I've been influenced by by many of them. You know, so it's kind of it's just a bit weird. And I I kind of I don't know. I just took the bat and hit the ball as hard as I could, and I don't think I did that bad. Well, I think the record speaks for itself. Uh, you made bad. I mean, Bad Company was relevant again. Yeah, I mean, but when I when I when I joined the band, we were playing horrible little gigs. Well, I mean, we were opening up for 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 big bands. We were opening up for Deep Purple, opening up, you know, all over the place. And then uh, when Deep Purple had an injury, Richie Blackmore injured his finger. We ended up, funnily enough, playing a show 
a, a bunch of shows in little tiny horrible little clubs that were just you know maybe three or four five hundred people and we were really struggling and I knew then that boy man I've got to start writing some songs because this is not yeah. where bad company should be you know so that, that that's what I did I I I, I worked with a a great producer called Terry Thomas, a great songwriter, and we put together a whole system of of, of songs and, and the way of writing songs that we knew would benefit the future of Bad Company. We didn't do it primarily for any other reason. We just wanted Bad Company to be successful again, and uh, we did it. We no did doubt. it. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, my manager should call in too, maybe. There you go. I, I think he's my manager. I'm not even sure, mm. to be honest with you. I mean, he claims he is, but... Um, I don't see much of him. I don't, you know, he's, he's... Just cashes the checks? Is that how it goes? Well, you mean that there are... You get paid? <laughs> I've done the last four shows, he said, for nothing. He says, don't worry about your income tax this year, he said, because um, basically you haven't earned any money. Hmm. So I think that's good. I mean, the last thing I want is a tax problem. Well, right? yeah, I mean, you don't want to... You wanna... No, he said he was going to eradicate that problem for me. Yeah. So I think he's he's he's, 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 work, he's working on really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why people don't like him, but um, also other other interesting topics I think that that could be brought up if those of you that are interested in that is uh, marijuana, which is becoming a very hot topic here in Florida because, of course, in the last year or so, medical marijuana has become legalized. Not federally, but certainly state by state have, 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 have accepted the fact that it is a necessary thing to do. And I think it's a righteous thing to do. And I, and I, I, I have to confess, I am a medical marijuana patient because ever since I was 19, I, 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 I was, I, I suffer very much from, from anxiety and stress related problems. And I've been prescribed Xanax and other stuff that I, I, I simply don't like taking it because I, I feel that, I don't know, I, I don't like taking medicine, I don't like taking tablets in particular, that those that can become addictive. So when the medical marijuana became legal, I decided to sign up and become a medical marijuana patient. I've got to tell you that in all the years that I've had trouble sleeping, I'm now finding it incredibly easy to go to sleep and stay asleep due to the fact that I can take a beautiful indica marijuana vape pen and it is amazing and I'm beginning to realize that over the course of basically 50 years we've been lied to by the by the feds by the government and, and by many many people and saying that marijuana is the devil's uh, you know the devil's whatever it is and uh, it will lead to addiction and lead to other things. Of course, all that is completely and utter rubbish. And I, I, I would much rather have a, a little tiny hit on a marijuana vape, medical marijuana vape pen, than, than take a Xanax. All right, let's you take know. a break. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, and, of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. 
intuitive, and now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance will come in with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. you got to love that. I, I love these, these adverts, and uh, I'm a huge proponent of, of animal rescue. In fact, if you listen now... <laughs> That's just right on cue. Brian's dog starts barking in the background. <laughs> my my dogs hate one of my neighbors, and he lives across the road. He's a miserable bastard, and he has no life. And uh, he will bitch to the authorities about my dogs at any given opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's just sad. I've got seven rescue dogs, seven dogs that I've rescued over the years, and they are, without doubt, my family and uh so got this crazy this crazy plan i think it's time for me to give my dogs what they really need and i don't think it's fort myers beach i think they need some countryside i think they need some acreage to run and and to live and and have you know the most incredible life so what i'm what i'm planning on doing is i haven't even told you this john I, i'm i'm putting my house on the market and I, I know, I know, but I'm, I'm doing it for the animals. I'm doing it for them. And I really want to find a place, maybe somewhere in Tennessee or North Florida or somewhere where I can really give them the life that they deserve. And then I also want to take on a lot more animals. I want to take on different animals. You know, I'm not talking about elephants and lions and tigers, but I mean, I, I'm talking different breeds of dogs, bigger dogs, you know, cats. I love all animals, but I want them to have a real life. And there are so many mistreated animals out there. And it, it, that's the one thing that does, that does break me in two. I mean, I, I, I can't watch some of these adverts for shelters and stuff without, without just bawling. I, I, I just can't watch them. And so I'm hoping that I'll sell this house ASAP and be able to afford a place bigger. And better in Tennessee or North Florida or, or somewhere, you know, so I can give my buddies a, a really good place to live. Well, that's great. Roger, that our caller earlier, will have to travel farther to go stand to be first in line to see yeah. you perform <laughs> yeah. if you move too far away. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about Ted Nugent. <laughs> Ted? Tell me about Ted Nugent. Oh, gosh, what can I tell you about Ted? Um... When I first joined the Ted Nugent band, I, I, I thought he was the Antichrist. I thought he was absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, uh, how can I describe it? It was, um, well, I knew nothing. I mean, I, I, I came from Portsmouth, England with a, I just left my, my first band. I had no experience of playing big stages and big arenas and big venues and, and dealing with, professional musicians and, and whatever and um it was a bit daunting and uh i thought he was a lunatic i thought he was a a gun crazy american redneck you know piece of mm -hmm. you know yeah um i wouldn't tell him that to his face because <laughs> <laughs> no, he's packing heat he's he always packs yeah, yeah. He, he goes nowhere without the gun tucked away somewhere but um after a bit of time, I realized that when he and I were actually alone and no one else around, he was actually very cool. He was actually normal. He was actually very thoughtful, very kind. 
But as soon as someone else walked into the room, he turned into Ted. Yeah. Again. You know, He's- it was weird. We're still very good friends, and we talk every now and again. And I'm sure that I'll have him on, That'd on be the fantastic. podcast. Um, After we get all the bugs worked out. Yeah, we, we've got to get these bugs worked out. We because, don't want to expose Ted to the bugs. No, he'd shoot you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'd be he like, you're gone. Certainly, certainly do it. Yes. But, uh, no, it, it, it was a learning experience. Well, the, 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 I think the main thing that I learned from Ted was that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter how sick you feel on any particular show day. You will go out there and you will do a show that that you have to be proud of. You can't go on there and, you know, and, and fob off. You, you've got to deliver. And I've seen Ted go on stage when he felt like death. And yet the audience would never, ever, ever have known. And I've tried to keep that with me. I've tried to, to learn that um, our life is really all about performing. It's all about the actual time you get on stage, everything else in the day is is geared for that time on stage, and and you do you 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 take it seriously. Um, like for instance, I'm I am my own worst victim, and like I, I've toured pretty much the entire world. But I've got to tell you, I haven't seen anything of the entire world because when I work, I stay in my room and I think about the show and I. I focus on that, and I don't. I don't go sightseeing. I, I can go to Paris. I don't go sightseeing. I go to Rome. I don't go sightseeing. It doesn't matter where I go. I'm there for the show, and I I'm very singularly minded with that. And my girlfriend says that I I need to stop doing that so much, but it's I can't. It's just like on the cruise, for instance, right? Um, I did the Monsters of Rock cruise, which was fantastic. I've got to tell you, and I, I can't wait to do that again. It was absolutely amazing. But I was so focused on the shows, I didn't, I didn't go out to any of the parties because there's always a party. A band is always throwing a party. I didn't go to any parties. I would just be in my cabin. Mind you, I had a nice cabin. I had a luxurious cabin. I had a, a double-sized um, balcony. And uh, I was on the sixth sixth level, so I was pretty high up, and it was nice, you know. I had my own butler, and it was great. And, and but but I didn't leave the room particularly. I, I kind of, you know, I just stayed focused and thought about the show. And and but that that's me though. And, and it's I don't enjoy touring per se. I like traveling, but I don't enjoy anything other than the show. I'm, I'm there. I'm not there to sightsee. I'm not there to do anything other than perform as, as as well as I can. Have you ever gotten on stage and thought, where am I? Has oh, that ever happened to you? Absolutely. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's a weird feeling. It's got to be a weird yeah. feeling. It's, um, I think the worst thing that happens is when you get into a run, see, like with Bad Company, we would work six, six nights a week for six months. As a singer? Yeah. Isn't that really hard no. to do? No, really. It's only hard to do if you want to do the silly stuff. If you want to snort cocaine or drink too much or just be a an idiot. But it, but, but if you don't, I mean, it, it's not that difficult. Now, if we're looking for other topics, my one of my other favorite ones, of course, is gun control and 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 the safety of guns in the general public. And uh, that's another subject which is very interesting because, of course, guns have been invented. And I know that those of you in the Europe are very, very anti-guns, and uh, 
it's something that I used to be very, very anti-guns because I didn't quite understand the process that uh, is occurring in, in, in the United States. And of course, America was, was built very much on the people in America. The, the Europeans came to America, of course, and were carrying guns. And without them, they would not have <laughs> caused devastation and, and wiped out the entire Indian population, pretty much. So um, that wasn't a great thing to do with guns, of course. But, but now we've moved on. And I, and I do believe that, um, yes, guns can be lethal. Guns can cause problems, and guns do kill people. Actually, I take that back. Guns do not kill people. People with guns kill people, and there is a vast difference on that too. So, John, do you do you have a gun? I don't own a gun. My father was a hunter. My father owned guns. Mm-hmm. I'm very. I used to. I used to shoot with a friend of mine. I feel very comfortable around guns. The thing is, in this country, you know, I'm I'm 54 years old, and when I went to school, literally, you would drive. I'm talking about high school now. You drive into the school parking lot. And there would be pickup trucks, students' pickup trucks that they would they would have their gun racks yeah. in the back, yeah. and they would come to school with these gun racks. Can you imagine driving into a school parking lot now as a student with a gun in your car? I mean, there'd be a SWAT team uh, on top of you in no time. Yeah, things have changed a wee bit, haven't they? It, it, it's a it's a strange situation now, and I think people have got misconceptions and misinformation about guns and. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I also, of course, being English, I, I was taught that guns are bad and that you don't need guns anymore and, and that it's wrong to have a gun and it's wrong to kill people with a gun. And, and of course, that, that's perfectly correct. And that, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to work that one out. But in America, I think we've come to the point now where you cannot uninvent guns. You, you just can't uninvent them. They do exist. And unfortunately, if you did mandate that guns had to be handed in and the public were no longer allowed to have guns of any shape or form the only people that would really hand those guns over and do it willingly would be the people that are law-abiding anyway those that wouldn't shoot somebody but you know that the criminals that rely on some sometimes on their guns for for their ability to let's say earn money uh, to rob people and, and, and to break into stores and, and threaten people with a firearm. I think those people are not going to be handing in guns, so therefore it changes the rules a little bit. And, and I believe that because I do have a concealed weapons permit and I carry a gun with me at just about every everywhere I go, I know that at least if somebody pulls a gun out on me, I've got a, a, a pretty good chance of, of getting a shot in and, and taking the person out as opposed to the person who's unarmed and is anti-gun who comes across a guy with a gun. Have you ever been in that situation where you felt like you were about to have to draw? Have you ever been in that kind of an environment? No, I haven't. And and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm dreading the day that that happens because yeah. the actual, you know, it's it's you kind of think about this in, in, in the back of your mind. You think, well, if it happens, I'll just shoot him. But, but, uh, it doesn't end there, does it, when you shoot somebody? Then you've got to look at what you've done. And there's blood and there's probably someone screaming, you know. And it's it's not something that I, that, that I relish doing. It's something that I would have to do uh, to avoid me laying on the floor bleeding and screaming. Yeah, exactly. So, someone you love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody was to approach a loved one of mine with a gun, I would have zero hesitation 
in, in shooting them. Of course, the after effects, like I say, will probably affect me for many, many months. But um, until you can uninvent guns, I think we, we have to learn to live with them. What do you think about some of the, the uh, being able to buy guns at a gun show? How do you, and, and the background checks issue, what's your position on that stuff? Well, I, I believe that anyone should be able to buy a gun if they pass the background check, which is pretty heavy. It's a pretty heavy black background check. Um, with gun shows, people are under the fallacy that you can walk in and buy a gun. That's not true. You still have to go through a, a background check. I've, I've bought a couple of guns from gun shows, and obviously now that I've got a concealed weapons permit, the, uh, the process is speeded up, and I can buy a gun on the day, but they still run a background check because you don't know if I'd, you know, I could, maybe I'd been out and shot somebody two weeks ago, you know, and maybe there's a warrant out for me. So they, they do, it's not like you can walk into a supermarket and buy a gun, which many people in Europe believe is true. You can just walk into a store like a candy store and buy a bag of sweets as, as you can a gun. That is absolutely not true. They, uh, the rules are actually stringent. The trouble is, is what happens after that. And, 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 and basically what happens after that is the gun becomes untraceable. Because even a, 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 let's say for instance, somebody did come into my house and I wasn't here and they stole my guns. Well, I don't know what would happen then. I mean, if they were to shoot someone with, with a gun that was supposedly registered to me, although I haven't registered the guns to me, I, I believe there must be a record of me owning a gun because I've gone through the process. But no, I, 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 it's a very convoluted story. It's a long subject, and maybe further on down the road we can do a, a, a show about that because it, is, it does warrant. There's a lot of worry um, around the country, around the world. Is that it? I think we might as well wrap it up. Wrap it up? Well, we're going to wrap it up. How about that? This is my first ever podcast. Um, we have some flaws. <laughs> hey, but you know, I mean, we didn't even practice. No, we didn't practice. This we was just, completely just off unscripted. We go. Yeah. Nothing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. See you next week.